Oh, Father, we just thank you for your awesome presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If we had a thousand tongues, we could not thank you enough for how good you are, how wonderful you are, how blessed we have to have you as our Father. Good, good Father. Thank you. Thank you for the refreshing that comes from your presence. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We reverence you now. We receive you now. We thank you. Thank you, Father God. Ooh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Thank you, guys. Amen. Hallelujah. Mm. Praise God. This is one of those nights where anything is possible. Because we've entered into the heavenlies and the floodgates of heaven is open. So even as I speak or attempt to speak this evening, don't wait for the benediction. I truly believe something good is already happening to you and with you. And God wants something good to happen through you in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. And again, Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We do not take this for granted, this relationship that we have with you. Lord Jesus, we bless you for it. Thank you for the Holy Spirit as it guides us in Jesus' name. Amen. So this evening, I'm going to just speak for a few minutes from Psalms 23, verse 3. He restores our soul. And then the next sentence says, He leads us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. We've been addressing the benefits of being seated in Christ in the heavenly places. Number one, we said, as a result of being in him and seated together, we have no lack. Secondly, we enter into rest and peace. And thirdly, as we err or fall or make mistakes or fall into sin, we have the assurance and the security that he restores us all. And number four, this evening, he leads us. He leads us. Uh, let me go to a scripture in Jeremiah chapter, th th chapter 31. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. It says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, verse 32. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day. Watch this. That I took them by hand, by the hand, to lead them out of the land of Egypt. We can stop right there. So I want you to see that from God's perspective, when he took Israel out of Egypt, he did not give them a GPS coordinate to say, this is the way to the promised land, just go. That's not what he did. The Bible said he took them by the hand, literally, and took them out of Egypt until they got to the promised land. I know in the scriptures you will see it like this, that, the pillar of fire by night led them. 
and the cloud by the day. And through the guidance of the Holy Spirit in the form of a pillar of fire and a cloud, those Israelites were led out of Egypt to the promised land. In other words, God was not just simply saying, you know what, I've redeemed you, now you're on your own, here's the direction, just get there the best way you can. No, that's not what he did. That's not what he did for Israel in the Old Testament, and that's not what he's doing for us in the New Testament. Absolutely not. In John chapter 16, actually, I can, I, let's go to John 14 first. John chapter 14, in verse 26, John 14, 26, It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, when the Father, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I cannot tell you how accurate or how truthful these verses are. Just this yesterday, uh, we are building, uh, we are rebuilding or revamping uh, the warm website. World Outreach Missions. And part of the information they needed, uh, only me could give it, so we, we, about the woman, the woman network, the, the apostolic network that we run, World Outreach Missions Apostolic Network. And so they were asking me for the information on that thing. I said, oh, man. First I told Revelation, call Nigeria, see if they can retrieve it and give it to you. Well, they called Nigeria two, three days later, we've not gotten anything. I said, wow. So on Friday morning, I believe it was, I was just late, I was just in the bed, and I just said, God, can you, I, mean, I, I know I have the brochure in this house somewhere. And just as quick as I said it, the Holy Spirit brought the thing to my remembrance and just told me to go to my basement, go to a drawer, pull it out, and I did just that, and lo and behold, I had the document in my hand. Now, you must understand this document is what, over, over 15 years old, maybe even 20 years. I mean, just precisely, just like that, went to where I was prompted and the thing was there. I said, wow. I sat down there in my basement and just, and just, and just worshiped God. I said, God, this is real. The Holy Spirit's guidance is real. The challenge is we don't ask because we take for granted that it's not interested in those mundane little things and therefore we just strive and strive when you should be thriving. So for me, this scripture means a lot. It will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Again, give me John chapter 16 now. John chapter 16, verse 12. John 16, verse 12. Jesus is speaking here. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. In other words, you don't have the bandwidth nor capacity to receive the things I'm to give you now. It now goes on to say in verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So clearly, we know that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to guide us, to lead us. And so for the shepherd and the sheep relationship, you must understand how sheep are. Sheep are a creature of habit. 
If left to themselves, they will follow the same routine, the same traits, until they become rot, graze the same hills, until they turn into desert wastes and pollute their own ground until it is corrupt with disease and parasites. That's just the way they are. The same old, same old, same old, same old, same old. That's just the way sheep are. They're a creature of habit. Amen? So for the sheep's sake, because his sheep, no, rather for the shepherd's sake, because for the shepherd, the sheep represent him. So the shepherd takes the utmost care to save God and to keep the sheep from staying in the same rot, in the same routine, so that they can continue to be nourished properly and so they can grow well. Because for the shepherd, its reputation and its name depends on how effectively and efficiently he keeps his sheep moving into wholesome, new, fresh forage. Very, very, very important. Amen? And so for us, as the sheep in God's pasture, it's the same. That's what the Bible says in that Psalms 23 verse 3. He leads us in a path of righteousness. Notice, for his name's sake. In other words, God rec recognizes that his reputation his character is at stake in how he guides its sheep. So people can see the sheep and somehow, based on what they see, think of who God is. And that's why for me and you, it's not, it's not just a doctrine to say that we are seated in Christ. No, we need to be seated and remain seated so that we can truly show our world the true nature of our God and of our Father by the things that happen in and through us. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 1, let's go to verses 12 through 14 in the message translation. Ephesians 1, verses 12 through 14. Message, thank you. Part of the overall purpose, he's working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment of what's coming, a reminder that we will get everything God has planned for, a praising, planned for us, a praising and glorious life. So basically, the Holy Spirit is a seal to assure us that what God has planned for us, God is going to deliver. Now, Again, going back to Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 32. I, I don't want to turn to it, but let me just reference that. God said that when he took Israel out of Egypt, he took them by the hand and led them. And we've read the account how God led them through the wilderness on a journey that ultimately brought them to Canaan. This is intended to be the picture of my life and your life as sheep in his pasture. It emphasizes how God guides us. He, know, he not only redeemed us, but he leads us through even the wilderness. And then you can also know for a fact that even though you and I wander off sometimes, do our own thing, get in trouble, miss our way, you must understand that at the end of the day, all of those wanderings and those errors and mistakes we make are just holding patterns for cause correction. 
Because ultimately, it brings us to where we need to be. Hallelujah. Uh, let me read a scripture in Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Uh, and then I'm going to start going to some examples. Psalm 37, verse 23. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. But look at that, verse 24. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Let me just say one or two things about this before I move on. Many of us are afraid to be led by God because we're wondering, suppose I miss it. Suppose what I think is God's leading is actually uh, me thinking it, or suppose it's not true, suppose I'm wrong, and we suppose and suppose and suppose and we never do anything. But here the Bible tells us that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. But then it goes us in verse 24 to say, okay, all right, even if you fall, why you think you're hearing God and being led by him? Even if you fall, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Man, what a consolation. Hallelujah. That even though I miss it, because we will miss it sometimes, the Bible assures us, you will not be utterly cast down. Why? For the Lord upholds him with his hand. When this lockdown season, things around us are changing. Some are without jobs. Some businesses are failing. Life as we knew it is longer, no longer the same. And I truly believe that even as bad as things may be, there are silver linings in the midst of this chaos. There is light that God wants to come forth out of this darkness. But the only way that's going to happen is that you and I tune up to what God is saying and follow his guidance on how he wants to lead us. Amen? Okay, so now, let me, let me look at some examples. Acts chapter 8, in verse 26. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Oh, you got it. Now, this, this is a very interesting story here. Uh, this story is about Philip, who was in Samaria holding a gospel campaign and all kinds of signs and wonders was happening. And there were a lot of crowd, a lot of people, multitudes were there. Now, in verse 26, maybe I should, maybe I should just even hold on before I go to verse 26. Let me, let me see if I want to read the part leading up to that. Acts chapter 8. Okay, all right. Let, let me start from verse 4. Acts 8 verse 4. I think the context is important. Acts 8.4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Good for you, Philip. Verse 6. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. My goodness, this is a great day. This is wonderful. God is moving. There are multitudes there. Signs and wonders are happening. And in the midst of that, you go to verse 26. 
In the midst of all of that, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Now, it is good that we have that commentary. This was not Hawaii. This is not the beach. The Bible made it clear. This is the desert. Now, think for a moment that you are Philip. In the midst of such a powerful campaign where people were coming to, 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 to Jesus, signs and wonders happening. Multitudes. Now, this, this is a young guy that just started at ministry and he's seen all these multitudes. And in the midst of that, he heard a voice. Arise. Go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, if that was you and I, what would you do? If you follow conventional wisdom, you're going to live a revival in Samaria. Did you not hear the word? In Acts 1.8, you shall receive the power. After that, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. You are in Samaria, man. This is what's happening. We will find scriptures to confirm why we should not obey God. Because the scripture is there, Acts 1.8. I'm now in Samaria, things are happening. This is what Jesus said, stay put. But the Holy Spirit said, arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down to Jerusalem together. Now, this is my problem. Notice in this instruction, the why was not given. Now, it will, it will have been a lot simpler if when he got this instruction, we were given the why, W-H-Y. Why am I going to Gaza? Why am I going to the desert? Oh, to go dig for some gold. Ah, okay, that is attractive, gold, diamond. Okay, I can get that. No. He did not have that benefit. And there's something for all of us here tonight that we can learn from. The simple instruction was arise, and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Remember God's promise, Psalms 23 verse 3. He leads us in paths of righteousness. That's, it's not full stop. For his name's sake. So whatever guidance God gives me and you, whatever leading he gives us, you must always remember he's leading you in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, there is something in this guidance for God, even though the instruction is coming to you. Don't ever forget that. God is not just shouting out instruction, giving out orders, apart from and except the fact that there's, at the end of the day, something will happen that will bring honor, glory, and praise to his name. Verse 27, let's read on. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia. Now, let me ask you, who could have known? Remember back then they don't have satellites. They are not as equipped as the U.S. military where they can sit in Washington and know what's going on in Beijing or in Moscow. No. But God knew. 
So that instruction that God is giving you, the guidance is sending to you, that you are sitting there in Lawrenceville or in London, in New York, Lagos, wherever you are, and you're wondering, oh, man, this don't make any sense. Why would I be doing this? Why would God say that? On and on and on the questions I'm saying to you, just simply obey. Because you don't know the man of Ethiopia to whom God may be sending you. You don't know the prayers that's been said for which God has said, I've heard your prayer, I'm going to send my servant. Because in that desert that day, there was a man of Ethiopia whose prayer had touched heaven and heaven was looking for someone to use to bring the answer down to the earth. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an Enoch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had charge of her, her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. So obviously, he went to worship in Jerusalem. He didn't get anything out of it for whatever the reason was and was going back home frustrated. And God said, I will not allow you to go frustrated. Oh, my God. The expectation of the righteous God says, I will not let it be cut off. You didn't find what you were looking for in Jerusalem, but I'm going to bring Jerusalem to you. The only thing is, are we going to obey God and heed his instruction? He was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Oh, my gosh. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip, go back, sir. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? So the Enoch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, it's amazing that the man that's been preaching to multitudes, God calls him away to preach to one person. Yeah. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What's the point I'm making? Jesus led Philip in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. But don't forget, the instruction was just one. God did not give Philip a Bible. He didn't give him 10 messages. He simply says, arise and go to the road to, to Gaza, the road to Jerusalem. This is desert. That's it. Simple instruction. So what instruction have you received since this lockdown that you are ignoring, that you are saying it can't mean too much, that you are totally overlooking because you are looking for the big, big things and God is speaking in this quiet, very quiet whisper and say, do this. Because his guidance does not come with a trumpet blast. It comes in the revelation that arises within you. Just like I was looking for that document, if I ignored the simple voice that said, go downstairs to this drawer, I'll still be looking today.
And we see the end result of that. He led Philip from a huge revival to go touch one man. One man that will be the key to opening a whole nation. significant is that? Now, I don't know how many people were in the multitudes that he was preaching to in Samaria. <laughs> but by the time this Enoch got back to Ethiopia, he had a whole nation. Hallelujah. Let's do one more because of time. Acts chapter 10 in verse 9. Here's God speaking to Peter. The next day as they went on their journey, they drew near the city. Peter went up to the house top to pray about the sixth hour. Now, you know who Peter is. Peter is the apostle to the Jews. This guy has been trained not to touch or eat anything that's unclean. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while, he, while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and led down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Really? Do you know who I am? Not so, Lord. Man, come on, man. Hear this guy. He's arguing with God. For I have never eaten anything common or unclean. In case you don't know. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times to show you how hard-headed Peter is. And the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what the vision which he had seen meant, behold, the man who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called out and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Now look at how curious God can be. Arise therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Now, that's, that's how I got to him. Just go down and go with him. To where? To who? For what? You will never find out until you move. To whom? For what? And where? Until you start moving, you may never get all those answers. Then Peter went down to the man who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. Now look at what, look at, <laughs> for what reason have you come? And he said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God, and has a good reputation among all nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to the house and hear what's from you. Let's just jump to verse 34. Verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. In other words, God was, God was giving me a new paradigm. Because up to this time, he thought mercy was only for the Jews. And he said, wait a minute, man. God is going to call me and send me to a Gentile house? He said, but in every nation, whoever fears him and walks righteousness is accepted 
by him. Let's jump to verse 44. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on, on, upon all of them, those who heard the word. And these, I'm rather, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. What's the point I'm making? Again, God led Peter in a path of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake, there was someone who had touched heaven who's waiting for an answer for which Peter had to go bring the answer. So the point is, how many people are we supposed to be answers to their problems? How many? How many people have called on God and for some reason God is giving you and I directions, instructions, where to go, because in our obedience will be the solution to somebody else's need and problem. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Just as he led Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, and he was hands-on, he didn't give them just a GPS, no, he was leading them himself. Even so today, the shepherd, naturally so, leads his natural sheep to the grazing land. The shepherd will never sell the sheep, here is the place go. No, no, he leads them. He leads them there. Because, like I said to you at the beginning, sheep are dumb, they don't know anything, they are very fearful, and so they need a tender, loving care. And the same thing goes for you and I. God wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He knows where we need to be. He created us. He saw the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. And he said, now, from my vantage point, now let me guide you. Let me show you what you need to do. But we need to ask him and we need to listen. We need to ask and we need to listen. One more. Then I'm going to bring it to a close. Acts 22. Acts 22, verse 10. Acts 22, verse 10. So I said, this is Paul recounting his experience with Jesus. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go into Damascus. And there you'll be told all things which are appointed for you to do. Paul, as long as you remain here, you're not going to get these answers. You've got to go to Damascus. When you get to Damascus, you'll be told what to do. How many of us can live in such reckless abandonment? In the hand of God, I said, God, okay, I've got to go to Damascus. Okay, all right, I'm going. That's the problem. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those that come to God must believe that he is. And they say, the word of them that diligently seek him. You've got to trust God. Everything New Testament, everything New Covenant, everything under grace is trust, trust, trust. I dare you trying to please God rather than trying to trust God. Because when you're trying to please God, what you're doing is you're taking things upon yourself to say you're going to make this happen. But when you're trying to trust God, 
by trusting him, you enter into his pleasure. It's automatic. It's automatic. But religion will say to us, ah, you need to please God. You need to please God. It sounds good. It sounds very noble. But God would rather say to you and me today, you need to trust me. Because when you trust him, you now enter into his pleasure. The Bible says, Enoch had his testimony. He pleased God. <laughs> Why? Because he believed him. You know, I, I, I'm going to close on this note. Uh, move, the men's ministry. Men of valor and excellence. They put together a very, a, a, what, can I, what can I call it? A seminar, a webinar, if you will, for the men's ministry to show us how to uh, trade or invest in stocks and options. Very, very simple and powerful presentation by Dr. D. Amanze. Very, very, very simple, very powerful. I mean, you have to be a bona fide, certified dunce. Not to understand what the man was saying. Very simple. And not only did he just give us a presentation, he opened his own life and showed us through his own examples how he's invested, what he has, how he has lost some money, and has made bokus of money. He opened it up and showed us. In that webinar, we had about, at least from, by the time I logged off, there were at least 46 men that logged in to watch or to listen. Now, how does that tie into what I'm saying? For some of those men, including me, we can carelessly think that was just a presentation that Joseph Andrew, Richard Legerman, Pierre uh, Sue, and Ayodeji just arranged and put together. And it just so happened that that webinar was holding during the lockdown. We can carelessly just dismiss it. Ah, yeah, it's just another webinar. I listened to that presentation and I said to myself, ha, ah, now I know why Jesus said, the poor you always have with you. God help us that some of us may not have listened to that and walked away and do nothing. Because what I'm saying to you is, that was a divine guidance you got on Saturday. It's not just the Amanze, just looking through and presenting some stock. No, God ordered it. Because for some of us, we are camping on poverty at the back and the excuse of racial profiling. We say we are broke because we are blacks and a white man don't like you. Others of us will say, ah, Trump is a terrible man and that's why black will not prosper. And if you're on the other side, you say, Obama is so useless. That's it's none of those things. It's ignorance. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Simple. And when God brings the information to us, what we do with it or don't do with it determines the outcome for us. We can't blame anybody. I can't blame Trump. I can't blame Obama. I can't blame being black or being white. Absolutely not. Whether you're black or white or green or brown or whatever you are, God created all of us. We're all one. So I'm just saying we should not be careless. Jesus said, take heed how you hear and take heed what you're hearing. God is speaking. He continues to speak. And yes, on Saturday evening, he spoke to us men. I'm looking out to see a year from today, 
how many men would have taken advantage of God's instruction? Remember, every scripture I just gave you, it just comes, the instruction is one. It's a singular thing. Arise and go to the desert. Arise and go to Damascus. Until you get there, until you get into the water, you will never get wet. No, you, you can look at the water all you want. Ah, look at this water. It's blue. Ah, it's green. Ah, is it cold? Is it hot? You will never know until you get in there. And my prayer is that all of this man who heard the presentation will be like the sons of Issachar who understands the time and what Israel ought to do. And so, in doing so, he will have led us in his part of righteousness for his name's sake, so that all of us will be empowered. Because the Bible said, and it's still saying, that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Amen? All right. That concludes the message for tonight. And I just want to give you an opportunity. Paradventure, you are not born again. And you say, you know what? I want to get a part of this leading. I want God to lead and direct me. Yeah, he will. But the first step is you need to be a child of God by the power of his spirit. And so I want to invite you to just say a simple prayer with me because for every born again believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And so as an unbeliever, if you want that spirit of God to come and dwell inside of you, you need to be born again. Say after me, very simple prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this privilege and the opportunity to hear the gospel message. I believe in my heart the Lord Jesus, and I confess with my mouth that you raised him from the dead. And therefore, according to your word, if I believe these things, I will be saved. And so, Lord, I thank you for my salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and now I stand in the position to hear you, to be led by you, and to be guided by you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer, we just like to invite you to let us know so we can partner together with you to help you in your growth and development. You can write us on our, uh, through our website uh, or if you have a prayer request, uh, the same thing on our website, www.wocfanusa.org slash prayer iPhone request. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. We see you on Friday at noon in Jesus' name. Amen.